0: welcome everybody back to the check thanks for being here with us uh brady how
1: was your week it was good alan thanks now we're getting a little you know the weather's turned on us but uh, we had a, a really pretty weekend so that's always good for us because most of our business is outside
0: yeah it can be challenging when it rains and all you got is outdoor seating and and a tent even though we have the tent when it rains the servers get wet running from the inside of the restaurant into the tent so that can be quite challenging and <laughs> soggy, soggy fish and chips soggy, no soggy fish and chips i mean it's authentic because you know it's like the, it's like the <laughs> it's british like british weather yeah so
1: <laughs> well i am pleased to welcome everybody back to listening to the check especially our friend sam McGann, is with us today
0: that's right and we're just uh, happy to have sam here sam um is A a great mentor of mine and great friend, and he owns the Blue Point restaurant in Duck, North Carolina. So, welcome, Sam. You want to tell us a little bit about what's been going on down there during COVID?
2: Brady, Alvin, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's been a puzzle every day, I think, for all of us. Um, Our situation um, is a little different in that we are the beginning of the vacation season on the Outer Banks. So we've seen a tremendous influx in the last two weeks of visitors. And that raises concern. At the same time, it uh, puts everybody back to work. So we're trying to balance the two. And like all of us, we're in new territory here. So we're learning something new every day and hoping to get through it uh, intact.
0: I think your rules were a little different to ours uh, between... Virginia and Carolina, I think you guys were able to open up before us and have people outside and, and then back inside. How's that worked out for you?
2: Well, we've pretty much covered all uh, the genres of, of food service in the last few weeks, as we all have. We are um, we started with some takeaway food, family meals, then we segwayed, uh, segwayed, excuse me, uh, to the fifty percent indoor and outdoor dining. So we've gotten back to doing a full lunch with 50% capacity and full dinner, 50% capacity. And then social distancing in uh, the yard and our back bar. We're fortunate to have this beautiful spot on the water over the Currituck Sound. And it's uh, up until this cool weather, uh, we've been very fortunate to have good business.
0: So your restaurant's term, it, it stays open all year round, even though Duck and North Carolina is a kind of a destination place for tourists, but you're there the whole year round, is that right?
2: That's right, Alvin. When we opened in 1989, uh, John and I made a commitment to ourselves that we were going to be part of the community uh, as much year round as possible. Back then, the standard schedule, I think, for a vacation resort beach restaurant was to open at Memorial Day and close on Labor Day. And we realized that, that that's not what we wanted for ourselves. So we stayed open through the winter and we became part of the community. We became known as a restaurant that could sustain a staff all year. And that was our goal. And we were lucky enough to Find enough visitors in the winter and the off season, whether it be weekenders or homeowners that, uh, were fortunate, I guess, for ourselves and for them to find a place that they could enjoy all, all winter long. And we became, I think, a, a, a bigger part of, of Duck and the Outer Banks by doing that. And of course, this is what we do as restaurant tours and cooks. This is all we know. And this is, uh, that's why we committed ourselves to that.
1: And Sam, you've been, you're celebrating, or you've just completed your 30th year in business. You're now working on year 31. Um, You opened the restaurant with your high school friend, John Power. And I know you all were both in the restaurant business before that, John at Rudy's and uh, you at Crawdaddy's. What was it like in those early days when you took the leap of faith and opened up the Blue Point?
2: When we, John and I went to Duck for the first time, the first visit together and it was February of 89. And we got there and it was sleeting and raining. And there we are on this boardwalk in the dark, looking at a body of water that we really couldn't see. And I thought that maybe we kind of made a mistake. We spent the night, got back up, went back to the waterfront shops where the space was that eventually became the Blue Point. And of course, the sun was shining and it was a gorgeous morning. And we're we're looking over this beautiful body of water, the Curry Tuck Sound, from this uh deck in this little town called Duck. and all of a sudden, the idea didn't seem so silly anymore and We were fortunate enough to have landlords at the Breathwaite family from Virginia Beach, by the way, who were there to guide us through the space and allowed us to expand it enough to make it into a restaurant and the Blue Point Oyster Bar came to mind with that beautiful view. And in uh, June of that year, 1989, after about six months, we opened it. 52 seats, six bar stools, on the water, in duck, the Blue Point Oyster Bar and Grill. And we've evolved from that space ever since. The nice thing for us is that so many friends and our neighbors and our family and childhood connections were only an hour and a half away. And the Outer Banks had been a very popular surf destination for so many years going back to the 60s. That uh, that drive to the Outer Banks and a visit to Duck was not very long. And we became a place that people looked to get away from the city and come to the beach. And when they crossed that bridge, we wanted them to think of the blue point first.
0: Awesome. Well, tell us about some of the ways that the Blue Point has grown and evolved along with Duck and the rest of the Outer Banks. Be it cuisine or or whatever. How have you evolved down there?
2: Um over the years as the town of Duck grew and the vacation population grew and the year-round population grew, we were able to grow with them. And so the restaurant evolved over time. First they open a porch on the water, then a screened-in porch, then a plastic drop-side porch and, and then a completely enclosed Conditioned porch, the change in cuisine uh, was happening at the same time. I think uh, you and Brady have been part of that as well, and have seen that. I think we were very fortunate to be part of this American cuisine growth and this awareness and interest in seasonal and local American foods. You know, it made a big difference in our uh, perspective as as chefs and restaurateurs as we grew. Yeah.
0: So one of the things that I, I really like about Sam is his. It's his passion and his drive and, well, I kind of like it and hate it because if we go out for dinner, Sam wants to order everything on the menu because he wants to see it and he wants to taste it and he wants to experience it. But then when the bill comes, you're like, you know, <laughs> that, that was a lot of food, Sam. But um, <laughs> but, I, but I've always liked your, your passion and your drive and, you know, you're a graduate from Johnson & Wales, is that right?
2: I am, uh, the campus in Providence.
0: And I understand that you visited some other cooking schools, maybe Thailand Bangkok and the, the Perrier jouet house in, in France, is that right?
2: A long time ago, but uh, the, in, the wonderful thing about our, our business, and we've all, all experienced it, and we hope that everyone in the industry will take advantage of it as the opportunity to learn something new about food by traveling. And I think we've learned to absorb as much as we possibly can for whatever short period of time we have when we travel, and bring that, those ideas back to our, our business. And uh, inspire our, ourselves and inspire our, our chefs and our, and our restaurant, whether it be about the food or whether it be about hospitality or about a culture. And uh, I feel very fortunate to have been able to, to travel and do those things. And they're always an adventure. Thailand is an amazing country, amazing place. Um, it's hard to believe I was there, um, but I never experienced a culture and a cuisine like that in my life. And of course, those memories last a long time.
1: Sam, I'm, I take it, is that where you find your inspiration from traveling or, or is it other places?
2: I think it's wherever we find it. You know, it's when we have a conversation at the table uh, eating our own food or each other's food or uh, at another restaurant, it's it's a book that you heard about. Um, it's an article in a magazine. Um, for, fortunately, now we have, you know, access to the internet in so many ways. But cookbooks for so many years for us really was our access to, to, to something that's going on outside of our small world. And then travel became easier.
0: But your, your cuisine is, is somewhat regional, I, I would say, and you do Southern cuisine. Does, how does it uh, resonate when you try all these other kinds of cuisines to, to what you do at your restaurant?
2: Well, I've always told people that, you know, I'm a white kid from a white bread town. I'm Scotch-Irish. So French was not in my blood or, or Italian. Um, I suppose uh, what you might say was in my bro- blood is the food of, of my region, of my parents, the food we grew up on. And I started to r- recognize that the more I looked at other cultures, the more I studied our own. And we all have memories of what we ate when we grew up. And it was, you know, crabs in the steam crabs, you know, in the summer you know uh you know ham and oysters uh soft shell crabs you know sweet white corn uh summer tomatoes those all, all those ingredients started to really you 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 resonate in your in your mind that that's what i've always known and that to me becomes the cuisine that you're most comfortable with you know as we get older i think we start to recognize more about our 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 own backyard than we uh, than we did when we were younger. You know, maybe you took it for granted, or you didn't recognize just how fortunate you were. And as you as you age and study where you come from, and and become a little bit more, you become more ensconced in understanding it. You know, food is always there for you, and that food does not uh, doesn't get old. I don't think. And, and and the same goes for for yourself and and for Brady as well.
1: I think what we're hearing is um is this consistency with you today just like your friend and partner john power i mentioned in an interview from obx this week how do they do it after a quarter century john's quick and certain answer is sam's passion that guy hasn't lost one bit of his passion for not only the food but also the business of blue point he keeps every single day for every single detail of course that's how he lives his life too, studying every angle, finding the edge. Sam, can you elaborate on what John was talking about?
2: To me, it's a puzzle every day. Um, it's a challenge every day. It's mentally and physically the biggest challenge that uh, anyone can have in their life. Um, and it's, it's dynamic at the same time. It works our minds in a way that um, most minds aren't asked to work like that. Um, you you have to have discipline you have to believe in consistency I think you have to have compassion and, and guts um, you have to recognize that you can't do it by yourself you know no restaurant is a restaurant of one, it's a restaurant of many I think one thing that I'd say and that you all can elaborate on is that the importance of our restaurant family we should treat ourselves the same way we treat our guests. And that's no there's no time more important than that right now in trying to bond ourselves together, recognize and we all need help and support to get through it. And I, I think that's one thing at the moment that I, I have to remind myself, you know, um I have to, to have the answers. I have to come up with solutions. And um, you know, that's what uh keeps me mentally challenged and focused and and focused every day
0: i think that uh lately i've come to realize that's kind of the true meaning of a family restaurant i I don't think they just mean it's a place where you take your family to eat and dine but it's it's everybody that encompasses that so it's the staff it's the cooks it's the front of the house the back of the house and the guests all coming together under one roof and it's kind of a family environment you know they're happy to be there with you dining and you're happy that they're there with you and they you know trust you to provide them a good sustenance meal and it's a familiar and comfortable place for everyone and i think that's what we're we're giving right now in these uncertain times people are feeling a little shaky but they can go to their favorite restaurants and meet their favorite server and say hi to the chef that they know back
1: there and and it just makes everyone feel that little bit better people ask why why do we stay in this business yeah, I ask myself that one every morning. <laughs> Sorry, good go ahead. But I think Sam touched on it a little bit. It's hard to find it's what we do and it's where we're comfortable. But it's also hard we'd be we'd be hard pressed to find another environment that's so I mean to to work in, of course, but that's so dynamic, so challenging, and can be so rewarding. I mean that's just like you said, every day is a puzzle. Every day is completely different. It's not. It's not a business in which you get bored.
0: Well, we get to we get to express ourselves, you know, on the plates as you do, Sam. Um, so that's that's a great thing, and it's also very social. You know, we have guests and family and friends coming in, so we get to see them, and
1: we get to express our creativity through through food and cocktails. There's so many problem solving aspects. I mean, the, the hottest day, the air conditioner doesn't work and it's on a Saturday and the guy's, you know, yeah, not there to fix it. I mean. And,
2: and everybody's looking at you for the answer and you have to walk them down and you have to step up and remind yourself that you can do it, you can fix it. But first of all, you got to get through it. Uh, we've, we, we learn patience in a way that I think very few people have learned it and we're still here. And we add up the years that we've been doing this together and it's
1: <laughs> between us in about eighty years at
2: least back. yeah.
0: it's a lot of experience but things always happen like i was telling you this morning you know my fridge went down and my head chef called out this morning and, and you had a an issue last night sam and i'm sure i've spoken too much today brady but i'm sure something's going on in in your everyday <laughs> but it makes it interesting and it makes you stronger and um these challenges become a little smaller because over the years we go through them time and time again.
1: And it's magic too. It's a, it's a performance, you know, with all these things going on, the trick is to never let, never let them see your sweat. The The show must go on every day. You, the curtain opens and, and you got a show to put on and it needs to be just as good as the last, regardless of the condition of your walk-in cooler or your air conditioner or construction out in front of your restaurant or whatever, whatever might be going on. It needs to be, as perfect as we can get it consistently every day.
2: That, that's the answer. Never let them see you sweat. Remind your staff and yourself that that's the magic of it. At 11.30 for lunch today, we open the doors, regardless of what went on this morning to, to make it happen. And at five o'clock tonight, we'll open the doors for dinner, and we hope that we'll be ready as we always have been. And the guests don't see that.
0: They don't need to see it
2: they don't need to see it they don't really want to know too much other than the fact that we're doing everything we can to make their experience just as good as the last one
0: so speaking of dinner what's your uh, favorite dish on the menu right now what are you looking forward to serving this summer
2: well um, we'd like to say that everything's special and of course it is
0: (laughs) yeah you have no favorites huh Um,
2: it's it's the seasons that we always look toward, so uh, the crab meat is is beautiful right now. Uh, of course, the soft shells, we've all been through that season just about ending, but I was lucky to get a tray of 36 tonight, so we're looking forward to those. Um, you know, we're doing a short rib dish, a boneless short rib dish that we smoke for three hours, and we get a nice bark on it, and we slice it with some um, some grits and some pick- some of our own pickled vegetables horseradish creme fraiche. So that's, even though it's not a summer dish, that's one that we've enjoyed simply for the technique and the uh, slow and low idea of the dish. You know, I'm proud of of, uh, Jack Balmer and Joe Santoro. These are my two bread bakers and pastry chefs that have been with us um, over 15 years. And uh, nobody meets Joe and Jack because they come in so early and they're done um, just after lunch. But um, the bread that, that we serve, the, the English muffins that we make, the cookies, the ice creams, all the desserts. Those are the little things that, that I look forward to giving my guests every day that um, that we do at the blue point that that other restaurants may not. So those things are special to me.
0: You have a great staff, a very professional and, and awesome staff. And I've been fortunate to work in your kitchen a couple of times. Um, so I have... Stood in the background and maybe helped a little it's bit. been a I,
2: huge help. <laughs> well, huge.
0: I've learned a lot of things, and it, and it was always fun to, to be in your kitchen. So thank you for that. And,
2: and I've enjoyed your kitchen as well, Alvin, and, your, and your, your staff. And we've been very fortunate to be able to work together uh, with each other's teams.
0: Maybe we can crash Brady's kitchen sometime.
2: We need to put that on the calendar here shortly.
1: Sam, you said that innovation is one of the things that's kept Bluepoint rolling and learning and adapting is one of any restaurant's strengths. What are some of the ways that a diner might experience creativity and innovation at Blue Point?
2: You know, trying to identify yourself as a, as a unique and individual restaurant is not easy. There's so many different cultures and styles of food that people have to choose from today. I've always wanted to try to give them something personal, That may be unique to what we do that's different from what someone else does. And you've got to be reading and studying, whether it be a style, a technique, a region, uh, even an, an individual product to draw out some inspiration from one of those areas to create something that becomes personal personal to the restaurant, that um, I hope we are doing that sets us apart, that people recognize is a little bit different. Everybody, well, I won't say everybody, but let's say the the, ubiquitous pork dish like a pork chop might be served at many restaurants today. But is that pork chop being brined in-house for four hours and being cared for or taken care of in the same fashion. And then in the wintertime, we'll cold smoke that pork chop before we put it on the grill for a a richer, different flavor profile that we think goes well in the wintertime for a pork chop. Will we, in the summertime, make a chow chow for that pork chop with corn and squash and onion and cabbage, where in the winter we'll make sauerkraut with that cabbage instead. And instead of buying that sauerkraut, we'll ferment it for three weeks and we'll, we'll make it ourselves to give that dish something unique that you can't find in, an, in, in the next restaurant that has a pork chop. We'll do the same thing with apples into winter. We'll make apple butter for that pork chop instead of just your standard bottled barbecue sauce trying to think of ideas that we can create ourselves. And in this case it's a technique of trying to learn to make sauerkraut which you would get on your hot dog at, at any good hot dog joint instead of buying it we're going to make it. So I hope that each of us in our restaurants try to find that something that's unique and personal wherever whatever it may be, wherever it may come from. Those ideas set ourselves apart and I would use Alvin off the top of my head with his with his Vindaloo that is a dish that he's created that many guests probably have heard of it and have even enjoyed it but never had it the way Alvin makes it and that to me sets his restaurant apart in that respect and Brady with his technique of cooking his shrimp along with so many other dishes that are so unique to Steinhilber's as restaurant tours that have been so successful for so long their restaurants are an adaptation of their personalities and what personalities do you evoke in, in your restaurants that, that you think you can see in your own minds that make what you do so so unique
1: you know to me to me the most important thing my grandfather and my mother both had both have my mother has my grandfather had An incredible work ethic. Just work, work, work. And for me, if you're doing something the easy way in a restaurant, it's the wrong way. You know, tablecloths on outdoor tables, waiters in dinner jackets uh, who still serve you outside, aging or beef, just things that are difficult, sometimes painful, tedious, that make the difference. And sometimes it's just a subtle difference, but that difference when it's added with all the other subtleties create something that's unique and special
0: for me sam it's um i've always liked to introduce people to other people you know and make new friends and and my cuisine is a little bit like that too i like to um fuse things you know so fusion food comes to to mind so my background was my parents were jamaican and i grew up in england and then now i'm in america and i like to kind of fuse those cuisines together and then if we travel somewhere and you know have a I learned French cooking to kind of intertwine those things in and make you know a nice meal is kind of a, a melting pot thing for me and and that's where I like to show my direction just bringing everyone together but harmoniously on a plate really that's that's really
2: important to me and I think those are perfect answers for these two successful restaurant tours because that that's what I feel and see and when I experience Cobalt and Steinhelbers. That's what I feel. I I really like what Brady said is that we don't do it the easy way. We want to do it the right way. And in, in keeping it personal, we adapt our styles to what we believe in. And believing in doing it the right way, not the easy way, is what I think keeps us successful.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode. And thanks to Sam for joining us.
0: Thanks for being here, Sam. Appreciate it. Good to see you again.
2: It was a real pleasure. Great to see you all.
1: I'm Brady. And I'm Alvin. And this is The, the Check. If you're in Duck, North Carolina, make sure you give Sam a visit at the Blue Point. You definitely won't be sorry. And if you're in Virginia Beach, please come by Steinhober's in La Bella Italia on Laskin, Or step by and see Alvin at the Cobalt Grill. In the meantime, you can catch up on past episodes, see pictures, read transcripts, and make suggestions for future shows at thecheckpodcast.com. And thanks again for listening to this
2: week's episode.